This is Dies and Shoe BX, the podcast, episode 187, for the week of August 16th, 2009. Welcome to a piecemeal episode of Dies and Shoe BX, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Dies and Shoe EX. You know the drill, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Hey, Mary. Howdy there. I'm gonna get this out of the bag right off the bat. It is not just you and I this episode, although it may appear to be. It's a slew of Daisen X All-Stars. <laughs> That's right. Mary, you are here. How you doing? Yes, for now. And for then now. I'll disappear, and then I'll come back. <laughs> you will see. It'll all make sense in due time. Podcasting magic. Everything's cool? Yeah, pretty much, except for, you know, being burned and hurting, and even just sitting is a trial. What burned you? Every my skin burns. It hurts just. What I'm getting at is that I did not set you on fire. No. Well, that would have been a funny tale to tell, but no. Sunburn. Sunburn, okay. Just wanna get that out there. There's no spousal abuse going on here. That's just saying. (laughs) How about you? How you be? I be well. My name is Mike Vegito EX. Uh, everything is fantastic over here. Like I said, this is uh, a great episode. We get people coming in from all over the place to do different things with us. Mary, I like the term all-stars. Very nice. Minus one Julian. Minus so Julian. So it's not quite so all-stars. But that was announced ahead of time. Yes, he and he has be here big for... BFD things going on. BFD. <laughs> yeah. So you and I will be here for the intro. Yes. And then you will disappear for the news. I'll come back from the topic. That's right. I'll be joined by Heath Hugio from and tie for the news and then you'll be back for the topic along with jeff and this week we decided to review the bardock tv special finally yay so there's that and then uh jeff will disappear and then you will be back with me to conclude the episode with releases and emails and an ending yeah hopefully it all comes together in one cohesive package but we shall see excellent so that will be this episode for the week i only got one little bit of housekeeping for you and that is that the full written review for the yeah break care break cd single should be going up along with this podcast episode so hooray for written content in addition to audio content that we did review the cd single uh, a couple weeks back on the show but it's nice to have its written counterpart along with it that's really it cool so uh mary yes good- sir goodbye oh b- bye We cut into the news segment, and by cut into, I mean begin the news segment here. It is uh, just two folks. It is myself, I remain Mike, Vegito EX. I am joined by Heath from Consentai. Yo. Hello, y'all. Y'all. Still my shit? Well, you know, I decided I'm tired of this Midwest crap. I'm going Southern. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So it's going to be you and I. It's been a pretty big news week, especially just the last couple days. It's been kind of crazy. I know. What the hell? So I'd actually like to start it off with the most bizarre news bit of all. I leave it all to you. Take it away. What the hell is this? Okay. So supposedly, according to Horikawa... Ryu, which most people will know as the voice of Vegeta. Ryo, not Ryu. (laughs) Ryo. He, we don't know if he hosted, I'm assuming he didn't, but there was a Dragon Ball members houseboat get together, which occurred sometime before August 1st. But I came across this when I was doing a bunch of biographies for Constantai, but it just sounds awesome. And I really wish I could go. I don't know about you, Mike. But. I, how do you? I, I don't think you get invited to this. You have to be part of their group. It would seem. It sounds like it. So anyway, uh, they had this houseboat party. Uh, a bunch of the cast got together. Uh, Horikawa threw up some images. Apparently, there were fireworks 
in the area, so they got to watch those, which, hey, extra bonus, I guess. <laughs> Japan and fireworks. That's <laughs> yeah. how they roll over Go there. figure. Um, but anyway, the I did know the phrase they use, nomikai, I talked to Herms about it a little bit, and he says that in Japan, it's typically meant for social situations for adults, and it typically does involve alcohol. But it's more of a social drinking instead of, hey, let's go get trashed right. kind of setting. So he said it's pretty typical. A lot of the clubs at the university that he's attending, they would throw nomikais. So, oh, okay. Makes sense, then. Apparently, they're everywhere. So was this Dragon Ball cast or production crew? We know Horikawa, who played Vegeta, was there. But do we know right. anyone else? It doesn't really specify... It just says Dragon Ball members. Dragon so Ball members, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was cast and staff. Because there's one picture that he posted. Someone took a picture of him. And right. There's a guy in the background, which I do not recognize as a no, voice I don't actor. Either. So, no. I, don't, I don't know. But it's so cool. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yes. All right. Well, that is the fun news. The fun news. <laughs> Nothing compares to that. I mean, there's some other big news, but that's the, the most amazing of them all. Pictures of Horikawa and fireworks. I know. So uh, speaking of Japanese voice actors, get a little correction from last week. And I love this because this proves that even people like us need to do our full research on things. Proves that so, Mike did not pay attention. <laughs> well, I did. I paid half attention. Let me tell you what went down. So I'm reading through all my news feeds and Anime News Network updates that the official Kai site had updated with uh, Aya Hirano. Uh, that's her name, right? Uh, Aya Hirano. Yes. Yes. Was playing, uh, was going to be playing both Dende and Cargo. Uh, to replace the previous voice actress who passed away in Kai. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me go double check the Kai website, make sure it's actually there, because, you know, who knows? They could just be posting stuff up for no reason whatsoever. So I go there, and sure enough, in Khan it says Dende and Cargo. I'm like, all right, great, let me update. Uh, and you didn't even read it, did you? <laughs> I didn't read the names <laughs> next to said character. <laughs> Aya Hirano is indeed doing uh, Dende, but Cargo, again, I mean, is it really even worth mentioning? Does Cargo say anything other than like, uh, 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 That's I what remember. I was amazed that they actually cast a separate person just for Cargo. Ah, oh, very strange. One episode, I think. Oh, yeah, it's totally one episode. <laughs> Especially because in Kai. Then he, then he burns, <laughs> and that's it. What it is to burn. <laughs> Very nice. So, Cargo will be played by Satomi Sato. Wonderful? Sure. Any thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's great, but <laughs> I still don't know why. They should have just said, here and I would just do the, whatever, muttering or crying. Yeah. I don't even remember what the line... I mean, we did a video about it, and I don't remember what Cargo says or does. I mean, all she would have to do is just change the voice pitch a little bit, and no exactly. one's going to know. Exactly. But Satomi san will get uh, a nice Dragon Ball Kai credit, I That's guess. right. <laughs> Forever be linked to the franchise. Yes. All right, move on. Other Kai stuff. I I'm going to leave this to you. Uh, but as a little bit of a background, I don't know if he goes by Mick or MC Dave G. Since he does music, I'm going to assume it's MC Dave G. That's what I was going to say. He actually did the uh, Goku He Shoden remix that we had on the episode uh, from last week, he posted up on our forum that there's some crazy stuff going on with Spanish versions of Kai theme songs. What's up? Well, apparently this has actually been out for 
almost two weeks now. I think uh, the videos that are on YouTube say that they're posted like July 28th or so. Right, right. We just apparently never caught it. But uh, there have been rumblings and grumblings across the internet that there would be a Spanish dub of some sort coming fairly soon, and no one really knew what they were talking about. And all of a sudden, MC Dave G posted these today, and it's almost, I don't know what to think, because they appear credible, but at the same time, not at all. I I know, it's they're so over-the-top and ridiculous, but that would be so much effort to put into something that's not real. Right. And then just, uh, you, you commented on it, on the forums. Oh, geez, yeah. The <laughs> the rhythm that it in Dragon's Soul, especially, it sounds like he just starts dragging, and he's like an amateur karaoke guy trying to catch up. And yeah, this guy Angelo. <laughs> what they, did they say, Angelo? But it looks like Angelo. Right. There's an H in there for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what's Angelo up. Angelo Lopez. Terrible. He's yes. totally offbeat by the end of the song. Yeah, by the end of the song, he's not synced up at all. I don't know if he wasn't wearing a headset when he was recording this or <laughs> that what. That could be, <laughs> right. So this is uh, Magic Sound Records, which you and I have never heard of before. Ever. Ever. Uh, apparently, they're based out of Los Angeles, and... I had never heard of them. I did a little research. They have a MySpace page, which they just opened four days ago. <laughs> so that that there says something. I don't know what it says, but it says something. And then um, I, I can't quite figure out if On Halo is in charge of this, but then on his personal website, the email address at the bottom of the page is magicsoundrecords at hotmail.com. So... <laughs> You know, that could be true. It could just be a little shit studio. I mean, right. And so I really don't know what to make of this. I, the the live performance I, is somewhat credible, but again, the Mole Comic and Manga Festival of 2009. Like, no I Google results on that whatsoever. I have never heard of that festival, no. ever. No, absolutely I don't not. even know where it is. Is it in Mexico? Is it in California? I, I it's have no definitely idea. a performance of someone with legitimate footage from Kai playing behind them on the screen, and people are in front of him. Right. But, uh, I mean, I could stage that if I wanted to, but... I mean, here's the thing. If this is going to be a prank, this takes our AF stuff from, <laughs> what, like, 04, 03, whenever that was that we did that yeah. with the commercial. That blows it out of the water. And this is just... I mean, they could have, for all we know, were having some karaoke thing, and a guy got up that looks like Aunt Halo, or he right. was actually there, and he just sang it. And then someone was like, oh, we should, like, make up this studio. I... We don't know. There's no official confirmation for anything at all. It's just basically thrown on YouTube, and that's all we have. And the English, and I say English because that's basically what it is, that's all over these pages, is incomprehensible. Right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw in a sample of Dragon Soul as sung by Angelo in Spanish. And I don't know, people can just think what they want for now. We'll see if it goes anywhere, but... This just seems insane to me. Right. And I would almost say that if this does turn out to be true, I really hope they go back and re-record Dragon yes, Soul. It's bad. I don't think a lot of the fans of the Spanish dub are really going to like having that. No, they're used to quality performances. Right. So, And this is not. I don't know. Vamos, vamos, 
All right. Let us move on away from Kai stuff entirely. Let's talk about evolution for a moment. Oh, that's still around. It is. It is. It's actually not out everywhere in the world yet. We had one of our foreign members, Tin Lun Lao, post up some details on the Hong Kong release, which is coming out from Delta Mac on August 27th. First thing I want to know is they're putting out AVCD, which I think <laughs> is just wonderful. Isn't it? It's Hong Kong. Would you expect anything else? <laughs> I, I don't know what else to expect. It's definitely not going to fit on a single VCD. I don't know how they do movies. Do they split it up onto like a two-disc pack or something? Because you know they fit like two episodes barely. I had a Sailor Moon R VCD a long time ago, and they barely fit two episodes on there. Because they still only hold up to 700 megabytes. Yeah, right. exactly. So, yeah, I don't... Well, it'll whatever. be interesting to see. <laughs> so there's a VCD, but there's also a DVD, which is going to contain new dubs on it. We have a Thai dub, a Hindi dub. Is it Tamil or Tamil or Tamil? I actually don't know how to pronounce that. Do you know? I'm going to go with Tamil. All right, then. <laughs> so we got three new dubs of Evolution, and there's going to be uh, subtitles on there. Chinese, the traditional Chinese, English, Thai, Korean, and Indonesian. So that's a pretty interesting release. Now, Hong Kong is NTSC, uh, the R3D. DVDs they put out there usually anyway. So uh, if you're looking for uh, the non-American NTSC release, maybe pick it up. If you're looking for some of those dubs or subs, right. I guess. And it doesn't have the Japanese dubs. That kind of sucks. I mean, if it had the Japanese dub, I-, I would use that as a cheap way to get the Japanese dub of it. That's true. Because I've actually done, what, done that with uh, some other stuff before. I bought the R3 release of the live-action Death Note movies. It was really cheap. I mean, it's legit releases with wonderful English subs. So There were also those R3 releases of, uh, what, Dragon Ball with Dragon Box Masters in some capacity a while uh, ago. Yeah, they released Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, I believe, in Hong Kong. Hey, it's cheap way to get stuff if you're looking yeah. for it illegally. And they're legit. So. Yep. All right. Let's forget about evolution for a little bit. We got tons of Funimation news. This I don't even know what's going on here. Now, you and I actually recorded something already because yes. I didn't. I could not possibly foresee that a whole bunch of other stuff was going to come up here. No. No, not at all. Not from Funimation. (laughs) So we're going to redo that first bit. So we had some listings, new listings for DBZ movies one and two. And by name, too, I think they were listed under Dead Zone and World's Strongest, right? And I I like to refer to them as the mysterious listings. The mysterious listings. These popped up on Amazon with a price of $9.98 and then a release date of November 10th. That being the exact same day that the first Dragon Box is supposedly coming out from Funimation. Yes. Very, very strange. Now, here's the deal with these. We've seen equally mysterious Trunks and Bardock specials uh, list up on Walmart. Now, those actually were listed along with the Dragon Ball, the original Dragon Ball Season 1. And those ended up getting cover art and kind of further descriptions. So they appear to be kind of broken out single disc releases from the previously released, if you're following along with this, double feature, which had uh, Bardock and Trunks. They released that on DVD and Blu-ray a while ago. And then they ended up getting new cover art, and they're definitely releases from that. Now, these two listings on Amazon a couple days later for movies one and two got cover art, which falls in line with the Bardock and Drunk specials. So we are pretty solid right now on these cheap single-disc releases being from the previously released double features, as opposed to new single-disc releases based on the Dragon Box Masters for the movies, which we know Funimation has because they noted that they had the 13 DBZ movies in the press release when they announced the first Dragon Box for the TV series. Do you have any idea how different 
difficult this is for us to keep track of. It's very difficult. But for you, it's, I don't know if I want to say good, but I mean, <laughs> how many copies of Movie 1 can you have now? It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> I, You know, I have to get that Blu-ray before it legitimately <laughs> is no better longer around. before they get rid it. of it. All right, so as I asked you before, when we originally recorded this, I asked you one more time, why? Because they're crazy. I don't know why. It doesn't fall in line with their typical marketing strategy. Not I at mean, all. they have constantly been going away from single releases of anything Dragon Ball related. Oh, as a company as a so. whole, entirely. Yeah. And it's just, they just release these in two packs in the double features. And why are we breaking them up? Who is going to buy these is, I think, the big question. Who do they think is going to buy these? I, I want to clarify this. The remastered double feature releases for DBZ Movies 1 and 2 came out in May 2008. So we're only, what, like a year and a half off of that? And then uh, Movies 12 and 13, which were the last in that series, obviously the last movies, just came out earlier this year in May. We're only a couple months away coming off of the full release of this series. I mean, they're essentially flooding the market. I don't know if they had... In post-production, already knew they were going to do this. They already have them all made and ready to go or what. They're so financially into it that they have to just put them out. Right, exactly. How far along with these are they that they wouldn't just do Dragon Box versions of them? Right. And if anything, you know, release the Dragon Box, the movies in a box set and then go back and release some singles and... I don't know who's going to go around picking these up because a lot of people have already picked up the double features. And why do they need two singles when they can have just one box on their shelf? It It's not really making much sense at this moment. But we also don't know, were they just so far along and they're only doing these two? Or are they really going to go through all 13? <laughs> I can't imagine that they would start this and then right. it, not follow through. I mean, Funimation has canceled stuff before, but where we're at with them as a company now, when they start something, they typically follow through with it. I mean, they're following through from other companies now with other series. So, But I think, you know, from a financial standpoint, almost they just shelled out all this money for the Dragon Box Masters. I don't Use think them. you could ever be too much involved in this to just say, well, you know, let's screw it and just scratch this and we're going to go over to the Dragon Box Masters. Yeah, You know, yep. you have them. You might as well use them. All right. This is so confusing. Let's continue with Funimation and additionally confusing things. So uh, their first Dragon Box. Now, some, not everyone who has pre-ordered that first set from Amazon got an email saying that the release date has changed and that a new estimated delivery date will be between November 19th and December 15th, keeping in mind that the listing on Amazon still says release date of November 10th. Yes. And I know some people on Twitter have actually tried to get a hold of Funimation, but they have yet to say anything about this. They probably don't know themselves. So, exactly. It's... Again, this is so up in the air that no one really knows what's going on. Could it be a situation where so many have been pre-ordered that Amazon's allocation is not enough to supply them? It very well could be. It very well could be. That's the only thing I can come up with. Someone at Amazon accidentally screwed up and sent out an email they shouldn't have. I mean... (laughs) That's true, too. Yeah. We just don't know. It's... And it's very odd. It's almost random to just have this come out, especially for certain people like yourself... 
that you didn't pre-order it until these emails had come out, correct? Right, exactly. And I have not gotten one since ordering. It's been a few days now at this point. Which, logically, you would think you would get one, considering you were a later pre-order, so you're probably farther down the list. (laughs) All right, I got nothing else there, but let's stick with this date. It's an important date for Funimation, November 10th. Amazon is leaking out all sorts of stuff here. We have a listing with cover art and everything. This is probably the most complete listing we've had in the last year with all this stuff. Dragon Ball Season 2. Now, Dragon Ball Season 1 isn't even out yet. It's coming out on uh, September 15th. But Dragon Ball Season 2, November 10th, believe it or not, uh, same day as supposedly the first Dragon Box and then the singles and movies 1 and 2. The price is $49.98, which falls in line with Season 1. Amazon's got the pre-order for $34.99. It is listed at 5 discs, and it says 720 minutes. Now, I noticed you had uh, an episode count on on your homepage. Did you yes. do it the same way I did with the math? I, yeah, I just did the math and uh, just took the 720 minutes divided by 24 right. <laughs> minutes per I double-checked that by going against the previous one, which they listed as 745 for season one. Divide that by, what was it, 31 episodes, and you get 24 yes. minutes per episode. Yep. So then you divide 720 by 24. All right, it's going to have 30 episodes. So that'll take us from episode 32 to 61, is it? Yes. So there you go. Season two of Dragon Ball is coming out later this year, too. November 10th. Yes. It, <laughs> I don't know. I did the math also at the bottom of the, my oh, update. Oh, yes, I did see that. That's great. <laughs> if, you, if you base it on all the pre-order prices and you buy all the releases that Funimation is putting out on that day, it'll cost you a grand total of $110. Very nice. Which, if you think about it, I broke it down a little further. If you just look at the episodes alone and you consider that 42 of the episodes coming out are Dragon Box Masters... You're spending a dollar twenty-five per episode. That's what I want to hear. That's amazing. All right, I think that concludes the Funimation news. <laughs> Are you sure? I think so. It's been a crazy week. However, we have one last bit, and I don't want to record a whole lot with you because I'm hoping to pull in someone that was more directly affected by it. But I do want to get a couple thoughts from you. What went down the other day, which was uh, what what day actually did this happen? Do you remember? Um. I believe it was Wednesday. I was going to say Wednesday or Thursday-ish. A lot of stuff got taken down off YouTube, which, you know, isn't really a big deal. Happens all the time. But uh, a couple, I hesitate to say notable, because in the grand scheme of the internet, is it really notable? Well, maybe it is, because I saw how many people showed up to the screening for it at Oticon. It was an enormous amount of people. But uh, Team Four Star, right now, their account is completely gone. What's going on is that uh, Toei Animation themselves have issued just complete takedown notices to accounts on YouTube, videos and accounts. I want to make that explicitly clear. Certain videos are gone, yes, but then entire accounts are suspended and gone as well, including Team Four Star, who is responsible for the DBZ abridged uh, fan parody series. Now, does it seem to you like they're going after the highest hit count in views? Basically, yes. I, I don't think they ever sat down and watched episodes Right, right. No, I think they just went through and did a search for Dragon Ball. They found so many, and that what was it. What has three million views? Let's yeah. get it down. Now, you and I, I think, are in the same boat. We agree they are perfectly within their right, and we expect them to do this, and I was surprised that it actually took this long. Oh, absolutely. I know uh, Mark and I have talked about it months ago, but... I think our biggest problem is that full episodes are still up there, and they're taking down this kind of stuff. And that annoys us on the fan level, but... I mean, legally, there's 
there's nothing you can really do. I'm not saying it's the correct move. I'm not saying right, it's the right. wrong move. Well, I'm hoping to get a little bit of a comment or uh, some kind of mini discussion from someone at Team Four Star. So uh, I'm going to leave it there, and we'll probably follow up on it in the coming weeks to see what happens, where they go, how other people are going to respond. So Heath, thank you very much for doing the news with me. Oh, you are very welcome, sir. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to whatever comes next. I don't know what that is right now. So joining me for a couple minutes to talk about this uh, YouTube Toei, I hesitate to say fiasco, I'll say situation, we've got our good buddy Kaiser Neko from Team Four Star. What's up, dude? Hey, not much. Pretty pretty slow day. It's a Sunday, so you caught me at just the right time. Ah, excellent. Let me ask you. So uh, Wednesday, I believe it was the 15th, was when things started going down? Uh, I think so. I was out of town when it happened. <laughs> what did uh, you get in terms of information? Well, okay, so basically, I didn't get a whole lot at first, because uh, I had been I'd been out for the whole entire week, I was down in San Diego, it's three hours away, um, and then suddenly I checked my phone, uh, this is late at night, I had it on mute, I was watching a movie, and then I, I noticed my phone, and I, it's got ten missed calls, both from Talk and Lanny. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and uh, I'm like, what? in the world are they calling me about? So pretty much I called Lanny back and the first thing I say is, I have ten missed calls. Our account better have been pulled. <laughs> it better have been pulled. I like that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I feel like I almost doomed myself by saying that. Yeah, um, yeah. But, so basically he he t- he told me they thought it was Toei. I had to, I, I was the only one with the the actual mail uh, email account to check who did it and why? Right. So right. yeah, yeah. I, I went on to the nearest computer uh, with internet. Um, I I went to the Yahoo email and yep. It was Toy Animation. They took down, apparently, and this, I haven't confirmed this yet. I think they took down a couple of videos that were specifically videos that without the disclaimer on them. Oh, interesting. Now, explain to me, was this a multi-part process? Was it just some videos at first and then the whole account? How did this happen? Do you even know? The way I think it happened is uh, YouTube has a three-strike Right, right, okay. And unfortunately, Toei was like, well, that video, that video, that video, just one after another. And when you don't have time to say, uh-oh, they're pulling the videos, and it's it's only a three-strike limit. So if they take down three videos at once, yeah, you're that's done. It. Right. Basically, I, they didn't try to shut down the entire account. They just deconstructed it, basically. I see. All right. Now, let me ask you. Neither you or I are lawyers, and we had a, a real brief conversation leading into this conversation here. But do you think that disclaimer has any merit whatsoever in terms of companies either turning a blind eye? I mean, you had a little bit of a situation with the first episode and Funimation and maybe not even paying attention. What's up with that? Well, officially, to these companies, we don't exist. Right, right. It, it's one of those situations where if they acknowledge you exist, publicly then they have to do something it's just a pain in the ass yeah and um which we've had to tell people and if you in fact in fact if you go to the new account you've heard about it right uh, i actually don't know the whole situation so you have to tell people all right guys there's a new account up um we're a little hesitant to re-upload all the episodes at this point right but basically if we do it's going to be at a new account literally tfs DBZ abridged. It's all one word. Um, if you go to the forum, uh, you can find it there. I'll give Mike a link. Maybe you can put it up with the uh, podcast details. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's a video on there. Basically, what the video says is stop contacting Toei. Don't contact <laughs> Toei or Funimation about this at all. Basically, if you make a huge public stink about it and if they have to react, it will definitely impact us. And it, it most 
most probably in a negative manner. Well, exactly. If they get that much attention from other people and it forces them to officially say something, you'll get a formal cease and desist, which doesn't mean, oh, don't upload it to YouTube. It means if we see any more creations, period, lawsuit. Yeah, that could put us in legal trouble. And we really want to continue doing the show. I mean, we're having a lot of fun doing this and it's... You know, we don't want things to come to that. No, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> no, no. And so, but yeah, you can pretty much find out. Uh, yeah, there, you can just go to that account and most probably everything's going to be re-uploaded there. Okay. In the meantime, for all intents and purposes, if someone wants to see an episode, can't they just Google it and probably find it on another site someone uploaded anyway? Oh, oh yeah. You can you can just type in uh, Team Four Star into YouTube right now and a lot of our episodes are still up. Oh, okay. Because it seemed like they were going after things with the most subscriptions, the most hits, the most views. So if someone else has uploaded one of your episodes and only has like 100 views, it's probably still there, right? Yeah. Yeah. People can still watch. You know, uh, I, originally I used to get a little like aggravated with people re-uploading all of our episodes. Now right. I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm kind of glad you did it. <laughs> right, right. Like, I, never, I, never, I never got upset at them. I'm like, well, why would you in the first place? It all seemed like, oh, I'm going to get subscribers by posting someone else's content. But now, now it's kind of like, well, at least people can still watch our content while we're on our downtime. And you know what? That's good to hear from you guys. You just want people to see it. Just enjoy it. Have fun. So Yeah. Uh, oh, b- by the way, I never really touched on the disclaimer. Uh, officially, um, Funimation, the only thing we ever heard out of them. And this is, I don't, I can't say, uh, you know, how big, how big of a deal this really was. But the only thing we ever heard from them was, put parody in the title. Mm. Make sure you always put parody in the title. Right. And after that, we never got anything from them. Excellent. And uh, the, the actual disclaimer itself, we think at least... Okay, I'm, uh, th- uh, this might sound, I don't know, a little... I don't know how this is going to sound, but I don't think the Japanese companies paid attention to that disclaimer at all. No, and to, to be fair to them, should they? Do they need to? Not really. No, no n- not, not particularly. I think... I think an American company would have seen it, and probably, you know, Funimation, they, those guys would have saw, seen that and said, well, maybe we'll give a little bit of leeway. But the Japanese companies, I especially Toei, especially Toei, who's always been so prompt about defending right. their intellectual properties, right. they will jump at the first chance they get to knock down anybody who's using their content. Which is hilarious to me, because the entire Jojinshi market over there is based on the idea of copyright infringement. But whatever, you know, they'll they'll do whatever they want to do. All right, so that is the situation right now? Oh, yeah. All right, guys, so thank you so much for hopping on, letting people know what's up. Oh, yeah, sure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for giving me the chance to kind of get it out there. You got it, man. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, see you later, man. Continuing onward with the Frankenstein style for this podcast episode, here we are at the topic portion with Jeff. Ugh. Are you a monster? Uh, Are you made up of various parts of people? These bolts on the side of my neck itch. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good, good. You're here to talk with us about stuff. That's correct. So you're here. Yep. Mary remains here. Yes, although I wasn't here for the news. Oh, that's true. But you were here before that, theoretically. Yeah. The part hopefully. of the episode we haven't recorded yet. Unless you find someone else to rope into this so that it's even <laughs> more <true>. Frankenstein-ish. <laughs> that's right. Super special guest appearance. We got Jeff, we got Mary, we got Mike. We are here to discuss the Bardock TV special. Whoa. This is something we've been talking about for a while. I've been really looking forward to doing an in-depth review of it. It's something I haven't watched in a while. It was good to rewatch it. The reason we were holding off on it was I wanted to get Jeff to at least pass the point in the manga where we see those two panels of Bardock. (laughs) I didn't want to show you the TV special first. Right. But 
really, a little bit of a backstory, the Japanese public would have seen the TV special first and not seen it in the manga first. That's right. Uh, I know we talked a lot about Bardock and his design uh, conjunction with uh, Nakatsuru, with Toriyama, way back on episode 12 of our podcast. We are on 187 right now. Episode 12, way the hell back when, when we had the old Radio Shack mixer and microphones. And no, did we have bumper music? I think we did bumper music starting with the 10. But in the olden days of Daizenshu EX, the podcast, lots of back history on how Bardock came to be as a character. But what I want to discuss here is the execution of that and how it plays into the story. And Jeff, it's kind of a spinoff of the manga review of Awesomeness, where we like getting your newbie perspective. You've never seen this before in your life. Never. Though you've probably seen hints here and there. You saw the manga panels. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were with us when we watched the first episode of Kai, which was weird and jumped ahead and showed that and yeah it was kind of odd but this was your first time watching it i can't wait to hear what you have to say about it mary you and i well we've seen this a lot yeah yeah i don't even remember at what point in my fan sub history i I got this oh really i remember so vividly but continue i i just don't remember at what phase it was if it was early on or later on or what i can't say for sure but over the last 10 plus, definitely 10 plus years. I've probably watched this maybe only seven or eight times. Oh, really? I'm, yeah. I think I've seen it more than that. Yours didn't come with the Trunks TV special. You copied the tape, which was like the yeah. 13 and Trunks special. Yeah. So you got this later. Was it with anything? Do you remember? I don't think so. Okay. I think it was just by itself. My story is, my first fan subs were the part of the Namek arc. It, I think it was episodes 94 through 100-something. It's basically the Super Saiyan stuff. Uh, that was something I did a tape trade with a friend before I even had my own internet-connected computer. After that, my first SASE little uh, endeavor getting fan subs online from Capsule Core, which was a, a distro... My first tapes were movies 11 and 12, the Bardock and Trunks TV specials. Uh, those are all subbed. And then the last few episodes of GT in raw Japanese. So this is really early on for me. This would have been very, very early 1998 that I first saw the uh, Bardock TV special. So now we're 11 years later. I've seen it maybe like 20 times. I wow. don't know. I've, I've watched it a lot. That probably already tells you a lot about how I feel about this TV special. But it's a little bit of a back history for how it works. And I know we talked about it before. This aired in Japan in, I think it was October 1990, between episodes 63 and 64. This is the part of the series where Gohan and Kuririn are fighting the Ginyu Special Task Force, whatever you want to call them. So it's pretty early on in the story. And as the kind of meta story goes, Toriyama saw this and liked it enough to incorporate bits and pieces of it into his canonical manga storyline, and that's where you got those two panels of Bardock slightly later on in the manga. And then it gets even, like, double meta, because then you get to the part of the manga where Toriyama took stuff from the TV special. But since the TV special has already aired, what do you then do at that point where you animate what's in the manga? So they did, you know, a couple scenes from the Bardock TV special and their own little extra stuff there. But I just love... Meta is one of my favorite words, and I think that's what I love most about Dragon Ball fandom right now is the stories behind the scenes and how it all came to be. That's really interesting. Let's ignore all that now. Jeff, I take it over to you. You've watched the Bardock special for the first time. Mm-hmm. We're well past that in the manga. We're into the Jinzo Nigen stuff right now. So you've got all the Saiyajin and Frieza bag history that you need to know. First question is, did you like it? Um, I, you know, I'm a sucker for, for origin stories. Okay. So uh, have her, having never met uh, Goku's father ever in the series, except for those two panels. Right. 
it, it, I don't know. I really did enjoy getting the full story behind this. I mean, I kind of like just those two panels in the manga. I like the uh, where it showed up in the anime, how they animated the whole thing. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it was, like you said, it was just bits and pieces from the special in right. the anime, right? Right, exactly. So it makes perfect sense that they would do that. So they're kind of like flashing back to a flashback. Yeah, uh, really enough. <laughs> but I don't know. At the same time, it, it feels nicely canonical, I guess you could say. because uh, Doesn't it work really well? It does. Yeah, I would have no idea that it was original. Yeah, I would yeah. totally think it's just part of the lore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not to mention that um, that we get to see uh, a lot of other characters that yeah. would show up later on. It just it it weaves so well to the story that this stuff is works. going on in the storyline right now in this universe. This stuff is happening. So, were you saying that Toriyama didn't have much to do with this part? No, this was a completely original creation on I guess you would say Toei's behalf. His right hand man at the time, Katsuyoshi Nakatsudo, did all the original character designs for Bardock and his team. And then Toriyama kind of redesigned them almost and slightly adapted some of their names. What, to make Bardock look just like Goku? No, Bardock already looked really, really close. Oh, okay. Actually, he made his hair less wavy. That's about <laughs> it. Bardock was pretty similar to the original design from uh, Nakatsudu. Hmm. Some of the others he uh, redid almost entirely. Adapted some of the names here and there, like added an extra elongated syllable here. Mm-hmm. Just that Toriyama flair. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. Uh, but that was it. He didn't write the story for the Bardock TV special. And then you can check it out. We have uh, in our tidbit section on Daizen Shui-X kind of the full history of how it came to be with scans of those original character designs. And there was actually an interview that was reprinted, I think, from a Daizen Shui from an old In America, Mary. Uh, I don't have the quote right in front of me, but the gist of it was Toriyama said he liked it. Because it was something that he would never write himself. That kind of really dark story, almost. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's what I loved about it. The fact that it was different, but it, it just meshed with the storyline perfectly. Jeff, give me a little extra about it. How about Bardock as a character himself? I know one thing you mentioned was, oh, it's the same say. Yep, it's Masako Nozawa. Yeah, absolutely. Did that work for it. you? Uh, it, well, after after a second, it did. Yeah. At first, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> but no, it worked. I mean, didn't we hear him speak uh, in the t- in when we were watching that one episode? Didn't he say anything? What, at the beginning of Kai? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, in the show, when we watched that scene of, of the two panels, basically. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. He said like a small something or other. Yeah, so they, they already, took one of the lines from here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd already heard his voice. So I was mm-hmm. kind of already prepared for that, but. Uh, no, I think it works. How did it feel to you? Did it sound like Goku, or did it sound somehow different? It sounded like a more badass Goku, okay. which is what I really liked. <laughs> it wasn't the same uh, the same tone as Goku. Like it was not a friendly tone like Goku's normal, exactly, or a completely uh, naive Goku, but uh, just a very uh, hard edged and, and weary of the world type of voice. You know, right, like, right. If you were going to have that voice actress uh, have that tone, that's that's what I would picture coming out of her. So I Me, think it fits. I think she pulls it off yeah. so well as Bardock. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's almost sexy, and I'm like, oh wait, it's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it works. I think the character is um is fleshed out enough. And I was actually really shocked at how how disdainful he was of having a child. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't believe that. It was just it was so unlike what I was expecting. He actually uses the word "so," or they tr- Steve translates it, it as "scum" in uh, the Funimation release of it. Uh, he's not beating around the bush here. He has no interest in his son. Right. Uh, it's just it, it, it was very surprising to see that. I was not expecting that at all. Uh, not to mention the fact that um, 
Goku is just like the most obnoxious thing in this entire <laughs> special. It was driving me nuts just hearing him sob the entire time. It was like, it's still in the back of my head. It's driving me nuts. So you sympathize with Broly is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right Do you now, know what I mean by that? No. All right. <laughs> Jeff, you are a Broly sympathizer. Let's just put that out there without even knowing it. All right, then. Mary, let me turn it over to you. Having rewatched it for the first time in a few years, I guess. Yeah, a couple. Does Bardock feel like a full character to you as well? Yeah, I've always liked Bardock a lot. I always am left wanting more. Like, who's his wife? Or did he just bang some random chick? I Goku's know that's... mother is not Sally Fire. Continue. Yes. Well, g- given her reaction during the beginning where they had their conversation like, as the team. Don't you want to go meet him? <laughs> you think that... You know, if that was the mother, she'd say, don't you want us to go meet you? <laughs> like, don't she you would. Meet our son? Or, right. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I like his character. I like that he's just angry and doesn't care about his kid. But I want more. Much more. What? What else do you want, though? Because there's nowhere else... Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Can go. Tell me about the culture of these people. Yes, they <laughs> have know. bars. Yeah, that's true. They've got friends and such. You know, they, they're interesting things. <laughs> Aliens. Jeff, what else about the special jumped out to you? We've talked to you know already just about Bardock as a character. Mm-hmm. He's kind of dark. What else were you getting from it? Um, just the attitude of the of the science in general, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm remembering the scene where he's all bleeding and, and completely, you know, like almost ready to die as he's like stumbling through steps and whatever, right, right. ends up in the mess hall yes. where everybody else is. And um, knocks over the table. Yeah. And it's just like, holy crap, our future is really bad and we're all going to die. And everybody's looking at him, looking at him like, uh, Frieza Sama would never do that. You're crazy. You're totally crazy. You bleeding there from like every pore and about to die. <laughs> you're totally crazy. Gosh. And I, I was kind of thinking at that moment, like, that's really just not realistic whatsoever. Like, come on. I mean, he's bleeding right there. That's not enough proof that something bad's going to happen. And then you kind of think, okay, wait, different planet, very angry <laughs> aliens. <laughs> Maybe, okay, this makes a lot of would sense. Would you go as far as to say stupid monkeys? Yes, I would go as far <laughs> as to say that. But it makes sense. It does. I actually thought it made some sense that that whole thing transpired. I don't know. I'm being picky about that. But okay. it, but it really does kind of show you a little bit as to their mentality as a, as a species, which makes it so much more interesting that I want to see. Like, I'm with Mary. I want to see more about this culture, you know? <laughs> uh, and also, I kind of want to understand why they were just able to be monkeys on planets. Well, you know enough about the Ozar, and it's kind of... How it starts off a little bit, we're on Kanasa, um, Bardock and his team are in their Ozaru form, destroying the planet. And where was the moon? They did show the moon twice. There was a full moon there twice. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> I was drinking beer at that point, sorry. All right, that's fine. <laughs> so they did show that. I wanted to ask you about that. Was it kind of cool seeing the Ozaru form, like they're in complete control, as opposed well, to what we saw of Goku later on? They're or, at work. They're at work. Well, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a sucker for origin stories, and that mm-hmm. is exactly what a good origin story does. It, it shows uh, something that you've only seen a glimpse of and sends you full throttle into what it was normally like, you know? Yeah, that's true. This is what it is normally yeah. for the Ozaru form for the Saiyajin. Yeah, I, I think I, I loved it. I, I really did enjoy that part of it, actually. Uh, it was, um, I don't know, it was only a couple of seconds, unfortunately. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of it. But what I saw, I really enjoyed because, uh, it made a lot of sense and they were really doing a lot of damage. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yeah, we saw this planet destroyed. Yeah, it it really is the case. Uh, so it kind of gives you an idea as to how badass these characters are. Like, not only can they, uh, can they fight 
themselves are pretty strong characters, but mm-hmm. also they can transform into giant ape things and take over planets. I mean, that's pretty darn nice. And that's kind of what their purpose is. Right. As we learn, it, they've graciously accepted this job from, I continue to say, Frieza-sama, because that's how they always refer to him. Even Bardock continues to say Frieza-sama after the point that he's learned what Frieza's coming to do. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that he still tacks on that Sama honorific at the end. Yeah, that's very true. Although, I, I don't know, that he's trying to be formal, right? Japanese, very formal. Maybe it's just so used to saying it at that point. That too, yeah. Um, but you do get a sense as to how they're being controlled uh, by Frieza, how much they're like mercenaries. Like they're alien yeah, that's mercenaries. That's really what they are. Yeah. So it, it's... I mean, that's... And I love that because we have Vegeta going on and on about how prideful he is mm-hmm. later on in the series. Is it really pride? Because now we step back and see what it was. Not so much. Right, exactly. I don't know, but I'm trying to... I'm really blanking it. Like, what other origin stories I can even think of that sort of match what happens in this one? Like, how it's the same kind of very nostalgic familiarity, but but um, expanded... Well, there is a lot of familiarity. We have Nappa, we have Zarbon, we mm-hmm. have Dodoria. Of course, we have Frieza as yep, well. Of course, sure. You got Baby Goku. You have uh, Frieza's standard armor that everyone's wearing. It feels very much like, yep, we're in the Frieza saga, mm-hmm. but we're like thirty years earlier. So I don't know. I, I guess the way that I see it is um, because I'm watching it from the perspective of how far we are in the series. I'm kind of wondering if it would have been any different if, if I had seen the special. If we watch it at that when point. it was originally released. Mm-hmm. If I had, had would the it same hit you attitude. harder or something like that? Yeah, I probably would have been totally confused, honestly. Oh. Because now that Frieza's gone, I kind of know, like, how much of a badass he was, you know? So True, true, true. It, it just makes sense to see him back and, and just kind of um, what his attitude was like on a regular basis. At this point, there's no debate. He is the baddest dude in the galaxy. Right. Absolutely. And he will remain that way for quite some time. Oh, sure. It actually gives you a huge perspective as to how badass he was and just how much power he had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean... He, he speaks so little. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need to say anything. I love that scene where uh, Zarbon scolds Dodoria for letting the one Saiyajin remain. They see Bardock's ship coming on. And Dodori's like freaking out. And then he pauses and very, very slowly, his eyes slowly go to the side over looking at Frieza, who doesn't move, doesn't say a single thing. And Dodori's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll go take care of it. And that's when you get that Frieza very, very calm. So let me turn it over to Frieza then, because that's basically Frieza in this special, up until the very end where he finally lets himself have some fun. And one of my favorite lines and favorite deliveries in the entire franchise, Zabun-san, Dodoria-san, look at the pretty fireworks, aren't they wonderful? <laughs> you get a hint of it because Bardock does have this uh, flash of Frieza laughing, but you don't know the context of it just yet. So Jeff... Frieza in this special, the almost non-talking Frieza. Yeah, it's true. And he doesn't really show up all that much, considering. No, he's usually just hanging out, facing the opposite direction of everyone. Yeah, or he's kicking ass, basically. (laughs) Man, what a way to give a good background on a character, you know? Like, I mean, I've seen Frieza kind of badass in the series. Like, you were saying how impressed you were with his attitude and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting it all that much. Like, uh, granted, the the manga translation didn't really show it as much as right, the series right, does. Right. So maybe that was a, a contributor. True, true. 
But he really is like quite the badass in the special. Like it does give you a much better indication as to what he was like because when he just shows up and uh, sends henchmen and whatever, you're like, oh, he's just being lazy. And um, when you read the the manga and the translation, it's like, no, he's really, really, really lazy, and he's mm-hmm. just not that much of a fighter. Or yeah, whatever. it comes across. I mean, it's not a fault of the translation in some respect because mm-hmm. it's tough to get across the way that Frieza speaks. Well, there's no, the there's version. no vocal. In con- there's no, there's no. Uh, yeah, it's tone. not even the words; it's the yeah. delivery. It's the delivery. You don't get delivery when you're reading a manga. So, I mean, unless he was saying "come hither," you know. But uh, which they tried to do with Piccolo early on, and that was just a oh, disaster. God, that was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I, they learned from their mistakes. But right. no, it, it it definitely made it seem like a different character from what I was reading in the manga originally, mm-hmm. uh, but a much better one because. Yeah, I could totally see him being a badass now. Of course, you know, with his uh his voice actor is just perfect. Rio Sanokao is widely known as one of my favorite voice actors in yeah, the industry. To I can see why. Him use all of those perfect, dead-on, polite phrases and not turn around when he says them. Like you just sense what's behind them. Yeah, absolutely. It was just it, it's brilliant delivery on that. But yeah, I mean, if anything, um. I was really just enjoying seeing him at all when he was on on screen anyway, just just very quietly showing just how much power he had. Mm-hmm. And you really do get a full idea as to how uh, how badass he is when when uh, he just gets rid of the planet. It's like when that when that planet Vegeta just explodes, mm-hmm. you you get a sense that wow, this guy really is freaking amazing absolutely in a very bad way but uh (laughs) but yeah it just makes it all the more interesting to kind of go back and see just how much it took to kill him in the manga yeah so yeah yeah i mean he i even midway through the special i was kind of thinking like wow you know if it had uh gone like this in the series i really wonder why they even continued the story after frieza died i mean (laughs) he's like the most badass dude in the galaxy who's left you know right right you know, you don't Artificial get official creations. I, I guess so. Well, the thing is, like, you don't get that in the manga. In the yeah. manga, it's just like you know, you don't understand that that he's this huge guy. You know, like he really is like this this ruler of the universe in a way. Mm-hmm. And then watching the special, it's like, holy crap! They really could have just stopped the series after Frieza died. I mean, it kind of felt like that. You know, when we read the manga, I think we were saying that. A little bit when uh, when Frieza when the Frieza arc was over, it feels like a complete ending. It really does, and so I, that's I think I was asking actually, if I remember correctly, I was asking why that wasn't Z or why 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 that didn't turn into another right right. Southside onward have its own letters after there, right? Yeah, because it just it it really seems like that would be an end to it. So yeah, like you're saying, of course, the next villain would be like <laughs> mechanical. Uh, the Mechaman. Yeah, the Mechaman. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, real briefly then, just some of the other familiarity. Did you get anything from Zarbon, Dodoria, Nappa? I have something I want to say about those two. Okay, Actually, sure. just going back to Frieza being a badass. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I this is one of those things that even despite watching it after all these years, I kind of forget this part when he blows up the planet and he's like, oh, the fireworks. Oh, oh, oh. And they show the ship. And Zarbon and Dodoria are looking out the window, looking terrified. They're, they're inside. <laughs> they're still. inside, and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Expressions on their faces. Yeah. They're not like, yeah, blow up that planet. They look kind of horrified, so yes, I thought yes. that was a nice little touch. Well, it's true, because even on Planet Meat, Dodoria was saying to Bardock and all of uh, his teammates, this is what happens when you fall out of grace with Frieza. Well, couldn't the same happen to them? It doesn't, but it very well could, and that's probably them seeing fruition of that, which would suck for them. <laughs> Other familiarity, was it cool seeing them? Did it add anything? Did it help? What do you think? Well, it, it 
makes you think about how much you take for granted the the henchman in Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because essentially every henchman dies. True. It's just it's not even a question. If you're a henchman of an evil person, you are a dead creature. I don't care yes. who you are. Yes. Uh, I don't think anyone's gotten away scot free yet. Man, I'd have to think about that. Yeah, I really don't think so. I think they've all basically been destroyed. Yajirobe ate one. True. <laughs> Well, digestion would lead to destruction. <laughs> Otherwise, yes, killed. Yeah. Well, Mai and Shu or Sova and Pilaf, they're all off doing their own That nonsense. is true. That There's is still true. a gag manga at that point, so you can't kill a gag character. <laughs> right. <laughs> we know this from Toriyama. Yeah, very true. Jeff, let me ask you then about one very specific character who has two main scenes and then like one other little appearance. Vegeta. Uh, of course. Were you expecting to see him at all? No. I didn't tell you anything. It's like, hey, we're coming over watching the Bardock special. I totally did not expect that. Was it cool? Very, very cool. <laughs> Holy crap, he's a kid. And he's yes. still as badass. Yes, yes. You know, I, I really want to kind of rewind and see what my impression of him was in the earlier uh, manga review episodes. Mm-hmm. Because I wonder if like I was ever annoyed by him or, or pissed off at him. Because I really love Don't that remember. character now. Yeah. It's like, he's just so awesome. Well, let me give you some context. He's seven years old right here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe. I'm pretty I sure. I thought he was right. five. I thought there was a five-year difference between Goku and Vegeta. Now I can't remember. It's either I five think, or seven. I think I'm right. All right. Hmm. No, I think seven. We could check the timeline. I, I was always under the impression there was five years between the two. I families. will check. Jeff, you continue talking. Okay. He has such a good vocabulary at five years old. I don't know. And Napa's got a full head of hair. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> Actually, with all this in mind, Zarbon looks good for his age, considering that 30 years or whatever passed between this TV special and then the current timeline in the show. So Zarbon wouldn't let himself age. He uses a good night cream. <laughs> That's another topic you should put on the website, what kind of makeup they use for their for their youthfulness. And then again, we don't really know uh, what kind of lifespan these creatures have. Uh, I mean, we, we can definitely assume that they're not like human years, although we've seen Goku kind of grow up. Oh well, yeah, I was always under the impression that Saiyans uh, age the same as humans up to a point. Like, I think when they reach adulthood they just age slowly from that point onwards, but up until then it's pretty comparable to humans. Yeah, it looked that way. Although I'm wondering um, how old Frieza is or was or whatever because yeah. um, we see him for a while and uh, then we see him again later on you know years later apparently and he looks exactly the same so I don't know well he's badass maybe he's in no 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 he's not immortal he was wishing for that who are you talking about now well Frieza okay okay, right you don't know how old he is right right yeah we're talking about how the characters change over the years gotcha it's just like Frieza didn't gotcha Uh, Mary age 732 Vegeta born age 737 the destruction of the planet yeah so you're right I know I am (laughs) but five years old five years old Yes. Five years old? I knew there was a seven somewhere. He's really young. He is. So he destroys an entire room of Saibai men. Uh, Nappa's got hair. Yeah, that's cool. And he's just snarling and barging in on Frieza. And I then, love that last scene with Vegeta. It's like chilling. It is. And the big question is, is he eating the aliens he just killed? I think he's eating a cracker. <laughs> like one of those vanilla wafers. It looks, <laughs> it looks like it. It looks like a carrot or something, but I'm I'm tempted to think he's actually eating one of the aliens. And I think they do a similar well, thing. They do that in the TV series. Yeah, well, when so. you first see them and him and Apple are on the planet, like, what are they eating? Because they're sitting on top of dead aliens. Well, they're eating a hand at one point, I think. Was it? Okay. Ew. It's gross. So you liked Vegeta. He was a little badass here. Yes, he was. Very cool. It just makes me want to like him more, even though I hate his guts for not liking Trunks. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Uh, no, I, I, he is a very cool character. At five years old, he uh, does a hell of a lot, like killing a whole room of side by men. That was really cool to see that. 
uh, I was wondering the whole granting himself an audience with with Frieza. Mm-hmm. It always seemed like he wanted to get on his good side. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird how he clearly doesn't care about his that's, own race. That's the thing because it's that last scene where Nappa's talking to him. He's just like ho and and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I think Nappa's response is uh, that's it. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's he doesn't care about his own people. So does he really care about being in Frieza's graces? I think he just wants to be acknowledged, Aww. like as a strong guy. Right. Let me ask: Is there a Frieza backstory or a Frieza TV special or Frieza? Is there a Vegeta TV special? <laughs> there is a, a little bit, just a some side, um, not unofficial manga stuff, but like not by Toriyama, just a little thing. There is no Vegeta additional backstory, anything like that. Man. There is, however, additional filler in the TV series, sort of to complement the Bardock special, which is King Vegeta's assault on Frieza mm. and Frieza killing King Vegeta. Hmm. So it's not Vegeta Jr., but it's Vegeta Sr. Interesting. I have to figure out what episode that is. I can never find it off the top of my head. But So there is some actual extra back history that's taking place at the same time as the Bardock TV special. Because hmm. clearly, this has to be happening at the same time. It just seems like... Uh, how long was that Was that TV special? An hour? It took the place of two episodes, so it's about 45 minutes. Yeah, all right. It just seemed like if they had gotten another hour, they could have added all this stuff into it. If just- they did a full-length movie, I think there is enough lore and enough in the universe that they can make this incredible, as you say, origin story. Yeah. But- Flesh it out even more. I don't know if I quite wanted to push two hours. Hour and a half, though. Hour and a half, probably. Double yeah. the length of this TV special. Mm-hmm. They could do some amazing shit there. Absolutely. Because I'd love to see uh, just a little bit more as to how Vegeta was even brought into the world. Because he just has such a nihilistic view of everything. <laughs> That it's just amazing to, to see just how much he doesn't care at all. So, right, right. I mean, it's, it's so refreshing in a way to kind of see that coming from this character because, um, when you first see him, he's just like, oh, he's just some troublesome alien who's wanting to kill Goku. Right. Join the, join the line. There's Piccolo at the front, you know? <laughs> well, you know what, Jeff? There actually is some other stuff that happens that you do get to see a little bit of. I did mention that scene with King Vegeta. Well, there's Broly in the movies and his first movie, movie eight, um, you do see it doesn't involve Frieza. It involves just King Vegeta and the Saiyajin themselves and a little bit here and there. But there is a character that is not so much as mentioned in this TV special that really ties into a lot of stuff and is actually related to a couple of the characters here. Hmm. You know who I'm talking about? Doesn't Bardock have another son? Oh. Raditz is not so much as mentioned in this TV special. That's very true. Which I find a little weird. We at least see that Vegeta's off doing whatever it is. Nappa is talking to him somehow, so they were spared. We saw Kakarot, or Goku, being sent off to Earth. Raditz is off somewhere doing something. Huh. So where the hell is he? The one thing they left out, huh? I think it's actually an oversight. I I really, really think they should have just had even a cameo, just... Him taking off on another planet. Like when they were sending off Goku, they could have said, oh, wow, his big brother Raditz is off doing something somewhere, too. I have a solution. Okay. He's playing Gene Simmons in Kiss. <laughs> Look at that hair. I I see it. An earlier version of him with that hair. Come on. So he's Raditz totally... is in a Kiss tribute band. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's playing a Kiss tribute band you know, while the whole planet's exploding, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll just head back. Because then how else was he able to get to Earth so quickly to find Goku, huh? And we also have Tallis from movie three that's off doing <laughs> something somewhere, too. Right, that's true. That doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> and Broly. <laughs> I mentioned Broly. Oh, yeah. I think that's it. Are there any other Saiyajin? 
Vegeta's brother <laughs> from the Joe oh, anime Tomble, special. That's right. I forgot about Toffle. I knew there was another one somewhere. Not this account either. Mary, let me go over to you then. This is something you're going to be much more familiar with than Jeff, and that's the music used in the TV special. There's a lot of pieces from the Frieza arc, you know, where we would be in the TV special anyway. I noted, uh, oh, wow, that's from movie three. There's a couple of good pieces there. But we have an insert song, Jeff, you probably didn't even pick up on because you don't know the music that well. Did you know there's a special song in this? Nope. Okay, we have Solid State Scouter. It was used twice. First time it was used was when uh, Bardock fights against the people on meat right before Dodoria, like does the giant blast. There's a special tune in the background made for this TV special. Then it's played again as Bardock flies up into space to attack Frieza. So, Mary, Solid yes. State Scouter, yay or nay? Mild yay. Mild yay. You're not yes. a big fan of it? You're not like overwhelmingly splooging? I, it doesn't age well at all. So that's why it's a mild yay. I mean, yay for nostalgia factor, but yeah, it's pretty cheesy. Compared to the rest of the score or off by itself? It's, I can't really compare because I know the rest of the score like the back of my hand because it's music from the series and the movies and all it's that. It's used over and this over. This is just a right. one shot. Uh-huh. So to me, it sticks out like a sore thumb just because I know it's there. I think I actually agree with you a little bit. I do love the song. I think it's Oh, fun. I love I, I love it too, but I it's just an age thing now. I mean, we're going on 20 years that this thing is, which is terrifying. Yeah, Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> the fact that I would have been I would have been 9 when this thing originally aired. Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> and I saw the thing when I was like a teenager for right, the first right. time, so yep. to me it seems like it's more recent, but it's really not. So that makes the song older than it really is in my head. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's coming off the 80s, you know, still synth music. It does have music. some cool stuff to it. The strange voice you hear in the background is counting up a battle power as, as if they were reading it on a scouter. So that's kind of a cool little flair to it. But Jeff, you didn't even notice it? Nope. Just blended in, so... I know, I was taken by the pretty colors. <laughs> sure. Jeff, what else would you like to mention about the Bardock special? I, I kind of go all over the place. I love it too much to kind of break it down any further. I don't know where to go. It's one of those weird cases where usually if you love something a lot, you can talk endlessly about it. And if you hate something a lot, you can talk endlessly. And when it's in the middle, you don't know what to say. I'm at that weird point where I do love it so much and I still don't know what to say about it. Well, I definitely could say that it, it needs to be longer. Okay, you want a little more. Oh, I really wanted more. Not some, I mean, we, we already mentioned how... There's just so much that could have been in the special that that wasn't in there. But people have asked me before, what do you want if there was to be another special? And I always do say, I want more backstory around this. Yeah, I want to see what's going on at Earth Mm -hmm. at the same time. I mean, we get that shot of Son Gohan at the end, but Kami Senin's down there doing something. Yumao is—they're training. Have they trained with him? And Baba's off doing whatever the hell she's doing. (laughs) They're in Pilaf's probably. Working on getting cohorts or something. Well, well, let's get backstory on the interesting characters here. <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really what what I would love more. to see. I, I'd love to see more backstory on those characters and that whole planet. I think it, there's just so many great characters coming from that single planet that it's just sort of wrong to only get 45 minutes mm-hmm. when there's just so much behind it. Not to mention that uh, Goku just shows up randomly on Earth, and that's like all we're going with until we see how. It happens. Well, it's like Jesus, where Jesus is born, and then you don't know anything about his childhood until he's what, like eighteen or something or whatever. I don't. You're you're the Jew. You you killed him. You know what the story is. I you're talking to the Jew. I have no idea what the story is. (laughs) But there's like that giant portion of Jesus's life that no one knows anything about. So Goku is Jesus. 
We okay, don't know then. anything that happens. Was his home planet destroyed? No. Well, actually, we do know some stuff that happens. He steps on Grandpa, and then he lives by himself and never <laughs> See, sees a female. I would not mind getting just a glimpse as to how that happened. I mean, honestly. Really? Because I think that's one of the things where I don't want to see it. I think it's well, best okay. left. Yeah. All right. Thinking back on it, you know what? It's better that I don't see it because uh, it's just funny to. when it's mentioned. That's all I need to hear about it. Right. No, but the planet Vegeta, really, really, honestly, I want to see more of that. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I really honestly want to know why it wasn't made to be more than it was. One of my favorite podcast quotes of all time, I think it was one of the earliest episodes we did, Mary Owen Maggie was on. She said, I think something like, Planet Vegeta has got to be a pretty banging place. And I agree, and I think Jeff sees the same thing going on. Absolutely. I cannot Agreed. think of other backstory things where, <laughs> like, it shows, like, the whole culture, and it's awesome, and things are great. And Well, granted, I don't think Vegeta would have been in, like, a, a utopian society because um, no, they're all crazy. They are all homicidal crazy. maniacs, and they all take a ton of steroids. Apparently, and drink it's, a lot of beer. Yeah, it's a huge steroid and beer planet, right? Yes. But like something that I thought was kind of interesting, maybe this kind of goes into a little subtopic, is sure. uh, the fact that in the original crew there is a woman there. Yes, Selipa is part of Bardock's crew. So apparently, there's some kind of equality going on in that planet. Yeah, yeah, which absolutely. Is very against what us normal humans would think when we look back on like you know society and and humans. women's rights and all that. Exactly. Yes. So it's like, well, there was only one woman there, honestly, but. Um, we did see others in the bar. They were hanging did. out. Yeah, and they are. They do exist, and and they're clearly buffed up and everything. So, I mean, actually, you wouldn't know this, but there is a shot. I think it's when Kaio is describing the, oh, si- yeah. the Saiyajin to Goku for the first time after he first shows up on his planet, and it's this very very eerie shot. I think Mary is she holding a knife. In, she has like a knife in, in her, her mouth teeth with her <laughs> or with her tail. <laughs> it's creepy. And they look like barbarians. Yes, yeah, it was like when they look first like arrived on the planet. Scenes. And Whoa. the Tsufuru, or whatever Funimation calls them, Tuffles, was it? Whatever the opposing race was. Really creepy, really weird. Good stuff. Nice. So maybe the TV series does have, over the course of maybe the first hundred episodes of Z, Jeff, mm-hmm. little bits here and there of what you're looking for. Okay. I have to imagine at some point someone's made it a personal project to combine all of those things. That'd be a neat little thing to just watch. Hello, people out there. Project for YouTube. Someone do something. Yeah. YouTube. Instant hits. We've talked about YouTube on this show already, which we haven't recorded yet. But did you do you know what's going on with? Toei did mass takedowns. Team Four Star's gone. and also Oh, oh yeah. I saw that Twitter. Yeah. They're gone? Yeah, it's like, crazy. Really? Oh. So this wouldn't stay up on YouTube for long. Mm. <laughs> Well, then, I don't know that we have a whole lot else to say, which is weird, because I loved it so much. I think we hit all the main aspects. Okay. I think so, too. Then what I want to do is get favorite- Predictions. <laughs> Predictions? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Oh, no, 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 no. It can't happen. Can't happen. Favorite scene from the TV special? Ooh. I will go first, because I already have explained what it is time and time again on the show, and I even mentioned it this episode. It's actually a two-part scene. It's when Bardock does his final speech. This is this will change everything. My future, your future, Kakarot's future. This is the end. And it's silent, and just that delivery. And then it culminates with 
Look at the pretty fireworks. I think everyone's delivery is just amazing, like 120% in uh, those couple minutes of the TV special. And those are the moments I look to when I try to explain to people what it is I love about the series and how and why I connect with these characters. That's why I love it. So, Mary, what is your... Well, you picked the two best parts, so... That's one scene. (laughs) You can pick it if you want. Do you have... Even if it's just a little one-off moment, okay. what in particular scene do you love? Well, we already talked about it, the last shot that we see of Vegeta where he's on a planet and he kills yes. all those aliens and he's just surrounded by them. Right. I think that's just a cool one-off shot. And I also like uh, when Bardock's team is killed and he takes the cloth and the cloth fills with blood and then he puts it on his head. Yes. I think that's badassery. So, bandana full of blood and a scar, that equals sexy. Scars are hot. So our bandanas, <laughs> not right. so much with the blood, but... I see Kenshin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing. Jeff, I mean, you've only seen it once. It was just now. <laughs> Mary and I have like a decade of familiarity to look back on, and we know it pretty well. What was your favorite scene? What stuck out to you now that you're thinking about it and going, hmm, that, that was really good? You mentioned my number one. Mary mentioned my number two, so I'm going to have to go with my number three. <laughs> All right. Which I'm still trying to assemble in my head. Give me a moment. (laughs) There's a lot of scenes in this thing. So technically we all have the same favorite scene. I guess so. Yeah, I would agree. Which is close to the ending. I'm going to go with with what you were questioning before, which is, is Vegeta eating an alien? (laughs) (laughs) I think just... So just taking it it a step further, it's questioning the scene. Right. It, it's. It, it, I mean, well, first of all, that little enigmatic part of it certainly is intriguing. But no, I think really his attitude towards Vegeta's it. attitude. All right. I, I don't know if, I mean, it makes sense for the origin story to talk about the father of Goku. But seeing how Vegeta just has this attitude and what how it explains his behavior when he shows up on Earth. Mm-hmm. That was that was worth it. That was really worth seeing. That like it, the inclusion of his character in the whole thing was right. was great. I mean, if they had ended it without him being there, because we know he survives. Yeah, yeah. So if he wasn't there, then it, it just would have been like a missing gap, like a like a, a hole in the story. But because he's there, because he has that attitude, and because he's eating something weird, that's that's one of my favorite scenes. Before we conclude it. I do actually want to ask you guys about one last thing that we totally forgot to mention, which is terrible because it's basically the plot device of the TV special. That's the Kanasin tapping Bardock in the back of the neck. And the future scene stuff. Was that cool? Was that just kind of... Well, we need to do something to progress the story? Yeah, that. That? Appropriate. All right. Now that I've watched it again so many times, I watch it and go... Yeah, it's not cheesy, it's convenient, which Dragon Ball does a lot. We have a lot of convenient things just to keep the story going, but I think it works for what it is. And what oh, they need no to question. Do. I think it works just fine. All right. They're allowed... Look, 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 look. There's a time-traveling guy who comes back and kicks ass and gives heart medicine to somebody. There's aliens from outer space coming over to this In planet. In this world, over. sure. There are bears with swords, okay? Trademarked. Bear with sword. <laughs> Property does end Uh Who do I have to pay? Me. Uh. <laughs> so, in this universe, it makes sense. Right? That's good. We seem to have reviewed, finally, the Bardock TV special. Jeff, thank you so much for hanging with us and watching it. You bet. Last question for you. Mm-hmm. At any point, again, in the future, it doesn't have to be next year, it can be any time, would you ever watch it again? If it were remastered with more footage, yes. 
Okay. The original, maybe. I, I mean, I would see myself watching it more if I had watched the anime from the beginning. Okay. So coming from the manga's perspective, it's nice to see. Yeah. You think it would hit more if you had watched all the TV versions as well? I, I think it's it's a it's a totally different mentality going from sure. the manga to the TV series. Makes so sense. Yep. if I were more of a fan of the TV series, then yes, I would definitely go and see this again. Um, I, You know what? I got a lot of my questions answered, mm-hmm. so I don't have to really see it again. I answered the questions I had. That's the purpose nice. of it. Okay. I'm good with it, but you know what? It really was enjoyable. Excellent. Well, thank you. You're welcome. We're getting rid of you. Ah, Mary, I think you're sticking around. Yes. This was the topic, so I think next up will be releases. All right, then, Mary, tell me the first thing here, August 18th. It's a Tuesday. We've got Viz Big Dragon Ball Volume 5. Covers Tenkobon Volumes 13 through 16. Yes, indeed, this will finish off all of Dragon Ball, as we mentioned last week. You could find this for $17.99 or pre-order it on Amazon for $12.23 for Good bargains. Very nice. Moving over to Japan the next day on August 19th. It's a Wednesday. We're going to have the Dragon Ball Kai original soundtrack volume one. It's coming out in regular and limited edition versions. Catalog numbers for those are COCX 35744 and then 43 respectively. It's going to have 35 tracks on the regular version. That includes the TV size version of the opening ending and then 33 background music tracks. The limited edition version is getting three extra tracks on there though. Not too bad. That will cost you 2,940 yen and 3,150 yen respectively. So for really only an extra buck or so, you might as well get that limited edition version with the extra tracks and you can save some extra dollar here and there on CD Japan. And then we come to uh, the last day in the month uh, with a couple things actually. Finally get a release date on this first one. Mary, August 26th in Spain. It's Dragon Ball Z Volume 36 Spanish Region 2 DVD. It's a two disc set and it's La Saga de Boo. It covers episodes 278 through 284, and it retails for 24.95 euros on ZonaDVD.com. That's right. So I believe Volume 37 should be the end of Z. They're finally concluding wow. it out. Been going for a while. Very cool. Also that day in Japan, the Power of Dreamer CD single. This is a new vocal song performed by Hiroki Takahashi for the latest video game on the Nintendo Wii Tenka Ichi Daibo Ken. It is LACM 4647 to yen the cd japan pre-order price is 11.43 yen that concludes august we got a filled september coming up so we will get to that in due time but until then let's do some emails Mary, first one here comes to us from Declan, I think it would be. I actually don't know, but that's my attempt. All right, he or she writes, After listening to the emails in episode 186, when you mentioned the Dragon Box releases in the PAL regions, I realized I'm in that PAL region. My question is basically the same as Jake's, but to be more specific, what about Australia? Ah, good point. We tend to forget that PAL includes Australia as well. We talk about PAL, we're thinking of Spain, Italy, Germany, France, the European nations. What about Australia? Well, your distributor down there is Madman. You'll remember them as putting out all of Funimation singles and Orange Brick sets. As far as I know, they have not announced anything about picking up Funimation's Dragon Box sets. So it will be interesting to see uh, how that's going to be coming out in Australia. We don't, I don't think we know if Funimation has 
announced region coding for uh, the Dragon Box set because all their stuff is usually regions 1, 2, and 4. Right now, the Amazon listing for the Dragon Box is only saying region 1, so that would suck that you wouldn't be able to just import it without uh, any additional difficulty. But I think that's the situation right now. Uh, I will read the next email here. This comes to us from James. James says, Hello, Mike and Mary. Since I know for sure at least the two of you were there. I've been listening to the podcast since episode 1, and in the releases section, there's always some news about Japanese CDs coming out for background music and things of that sort. And I was just wondering, what is the big to-do about music from the show in Japan? Is it because it's from Japan, or am I just overlooking the huge following for these types of CDs in America? Keep up the good podcast. It's great, and I look forward to listening every Sunday. Mary, I ask you, why do we talk about these CDs in the releases section? Because it's a release, and <laughs> well, that's that's the biggest answer right there. We, we try to address any big releases coming out of Japan and, you know, here and a bunch of other countries, too. And it's interesting because it's 2009 and there's still CDs coming out. So yeah. from my perspective, it's like a mystification factor. It's like, damn, here's another new CD. Wow, isn't that neat? So it's just that the collection keeps growing and growing and growing and it would be silly to not mention it. Absolutely. So, yeah. At the same time, yes, there is a huge following. And Japan's a very different market and always has been for these types of things. There's always been, for example, video game soundtracks that have been released. We've started getting some of this stuff over the last couple of years. But you go back even to the Super Famicom era. No, all the Final Fantasy games had full soundtrack releases. That's something we never got over here. And, you know, it just continues onward with new games and new TV versions and movies. They will always have, at least almost always, an accompanying either CD single or full soundtrack. But, yeah, the fact that it is a release and it's from Japan where, you know, the franchise was created, that's basically why we mention it. And, of course, we love the music, too. So, I hope that answers your question, James. Mary, we got one more here. I'm going to have you read from Martin. All right. Hi there. In my country, Belgium. English isn't a foreign language, so sorry for any mistakes. I've always been a great fan of DBZ and recently came across your podcast. I'm loving it so far and have seen your answering questions and now I've got a few. In the early Cell slash maybe Android saga, Piccolo fuses with Kami and his power increases exponentially. Why? Was Kami that powerful that Piccolo could match 17 with his help? Also, why couldn't Piccolo then pick up the task of God of the Earth? He had the abilities or didn't he feel like doing the job? Well, there's not a huge explanation of it in the series. Uh, I think one of the first times we ever get a little mention of it is when Saichodo um, kind of learns the story behind everything on Namek from Kududin, and he says, oh, if only they had either stayed or became one again, their power would just be so great. It's not a matter of Kami being so strong that he just adds all that extra power. It's the fact that originally they were one being, and it seems like having that split just diminished the power, as you said, exponentially and by getting them back together, we see what Piccolo is like when uh, he refuses with Kami. He kind of becomes a conduit for this new being, really, because he's absorbed Nail uh, previously as well. He says, oh, um, uh, Namekian, who's long since forgotten his name, one of the greatest lines in the show. This power is just huge. So is there an in-universe really technical explanation? Not so much. It's really a plot device to have Piccolo beat up on Cell for a little bit. But it's just getting them back together as that originally intended single being that's what that power could have been. And I guess that really puts Piccolo Daimo in perspective. He was so strong for the time, but even then, that power was nothing compared to what there could have been from this original singular being. So I guess that's really it. Mary, people have questions, concerns, all that good stuff. Where is it going off to? Send your messages on over to podcast at diezex.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. You can also hit us up on the Twitter. The main account is diezex, D-A-I. 
S-I-Z-E-X. I use that for all these site announcements, that kind of stuff. You can also grab us on Vegeta WeX, Saya Jedi, and if you want Mary T.O.T., we're there. We're talking about stuffage. Come say hello to us. That brings us to a close. Mary? Yes. Thank you much. No problem, man. We said that we were going to do that Battle Power episode this week. Well, due to, you know, your family was around and we went off to the beach and it was a crazy weekend. That got uh, shoved off to next week. So Herms will join us. We will record that discussion next week. We'll talk about Battle Powers in the series. Ah! He's already working on his side of the outline. So I think it'll be rather in-depth and quite interesting and enlightening the way we like to have it here on Dyson X. So Mary, thanks. We'll see you next week, right? Later. Yep. Templo Trunks. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Templotrunks.com. T-E-M-P-L-E-O-T-R-U-N-K-S.com. That's my site. Nice. So that's the next episode. I am so glad we finally did that PSP review. We finally did the Bardock special review. We'll be killing off that Battle Power review. Now there's Yamcha to hit at some point. We'll see if we ever get around to that. I'm, I'm picturing that literally in my head. There's Yamcha to hit. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Hit that shit. And uh, we're still hoping to grab Funimation onto the show in the near future. It's uh, been a couple weeks since they've made that announcement. I will follow up again and see when and if they will be ready to come on and talk to us about their future plans for the series with uh, Dragon Box releases. So there you go for Mary over here. Bye-bye. For Julian off in Japan. Hopefully we'll see him next week. My name is Mike Vegito VX from Daizen Shuiex, www.daizex.com. And we'll see you next week. Daizen Shuiex podcast. Konshumo kite kudesate arigatou All right, I'm talking. Jeff, 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 what do you got? I've got nothing but your kitty down the stairs. Mary. Yeah, yeah, Ziggy we went running, yeah. That pull you down now. That's yeah. only because I'm doing silly voices. Maybe if I talk normally, I'd be a lot lower. That's still pretty good. Yep, yep, yep. Talking yeah. like the yippers. Yeah. All right, we're cutting into the news. I have brought on our buddy Heath from uh, over at Constantine. How the hell are you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. We got some uh, crazy listings going on I want to discuss with you. All right. <laughs> so here's how it went down. We first noticed, I think it was back on August 10th thereabouts, uh, over on Amazon there were new listings for single disc releases of DBZ Movies 1 and 2. Now, not a double feature. Both have their own release at a $9.98 price point. This seemed very similar to uh, what had been listed for a while now for both the Bardock and Trunks TV specials. And that really all went down around the same time as the Dragon Ball Season 1 box set where uh, Walmart put up the listings. Then we got cover art for those. And those, as far as I can tell, are pretty much confirmed to be just single disc breakouts from the uh, Steelbook remastered, right? Right. Based on the box art. <laughs> right, exactly. So they're just breaking out those remastered steel, but whatever. That It's weird, but sure, they can go ahead and do that. Now we're skipping ahead to August 10th, like I said, and we have new listings for DBZ Movies 1 and 2 at that same price point. Now here's the problem. The release date for those two is November 10th of this year. Yes, which is very confusing and misleading. <laughs> that happens to be the day supposedly, theoretically, we'll maybe talk about that at some point in the news, that Funimation's Dragon Box is coming out. Correct. Now, here's my question. Why? Well, that was my question for you. Why? <laughs> I don't... 
I don't understand why they're doing this. Um, they announced they're going to be releasing the 13 Dragon Ball Z movies using the Dragon Box Masters right. that they just purchased and probably shelled out a ton of money for. Right. Then they just went through and they released all of their own remastered versions and these steel tin box sets with coming with two movies, and now they're breaking them apart and then selling them. See, that's the thing I don't understand more than anything else, is you already had relatively cheap double features. Why break them into single disc releases, even ignoring Dragon Box stuff? I don't have an answer for that. Well, it seems like they're just flooding the market with all this stuff, and considering if most of the people out there actually bought all these double features, then what market are you actually selling these to? I just don't understand who's going to buy all these. Yeah, it's it's so confusing. I've, I haven't seen anything that's come so soon after a previous release. I mean, we had those GT box sets. They at least took a little bit of time, maybe a year or so, before putting out the uh, the green sort of remastered sets. But this is just, right. we just finished the releases a couple months ago. Now we're going to start it all over again. <sighs> and then you can buy all these, and then you can buy... The supposed, which we have no confirmation for, but Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Box, the movies. Right, right. So, you know, who's going to buy all of these things? I guess if people really want, like, five versions of the same movie all released by the same company. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Well, here's the problem. Now these two listings do have cover art as seen over on Amazon, and these are basically confirmed to be the exact same thing as the Bardock and Trunks, where it's a breakout from the Steelbook double features on the same day as Funimation's Dragon Box coming out. (laughs) So is this just a case of the Dragon Box thing was just so new and so recent, it's kind of thrown a wrench into all of their plans like this is something they had planned to do anyway and now the dragon box is coming and they're still going to go ahead and do this even though we know they're going to put out dragon box mastered releases of the movies yeah it makes you kind of wonder were they really that invested into putting these out that they really have to because they've already released them in, in double features and most of the people bought those as far as i know they did fairly well so why are we releasing singles now I mean, this seems like something that they could just say, you know what, we don't really need to do this because they're already out, and then we're going to be releasing a box set shortly. And then also at the same point, you know, they're nine ninety eight, right? Which you can pick up the double feature on Amazon for sixteen ninety nine. Exactly, you can get the so Blu-ray you would actually be, yeah, you're actually paying less per movie if you buy the double feature than if you buy these singles. I I guess my biggest question and concern with this is that it goes against everything Funimation is moving toward right now, which is no longer any individual disc releases of anything. Right. I thought we were done with individual disc releases, but apparently not. So that appears to be the situation right now. Do you think they should even bother? Personally, I don't. I really don't think they should bother at all. I mean, it just... It's so out of nowhere, hey, we're going to release all these single discs, but there's no actual reason, I think, to warrant actually releasing single discs. I think it's probably going to end up being a waste of their money to even produce all these. I think so. You mentioned earlier flooding the market. I think this is a little too much. I don't want to say too much of a good thing, but this is way too much to throw into the market. It's way too confusing. You're going to end up with situations, uh, the double features right there next to the single release. And what do you do? Yeah. Well, and I would say if they really want to release single releases, I would wait until you release the 
Dragon Box with all the Dragon Box Master movies on it. Absolutely. And then release those as singles after that. Right. Not that we want single disc releases anymore, but I think that would make <laughs> the most sense rather than having almost three competing versions, two of them being the exact same print on the market, right. which is what it seems like it's going to be. Well, and it, it gets really ironic when you think about, you know, the first three movies will have more versions than any <laughs> other movie released in North America. It's so. true. It's true. <sighs> At least you can buy this version. <laughs> That's right. Nine ninety eight. That's not too bad. <laughs> oh wait, I'm buying it for That's you. That's right. Right. Exactly. Damn you it. You said so. All right. So that was about seven minutes of wondering what's going on with single disc releases. Thank you for popping in with me. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Catch you later. <laughs> 